0: 401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor 2X. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, we are joined once again by coach Joe Lucas. Joe, welcome to the show.
1: Ross, thanks for having me.
0: 2020 is wrapping up my 30 years in the business. I think I can say this is the craziest year I have ever experienced. But as we're approaching the end of the year, I'm actually starting to get a little excited as I look towards the future, as I'm thinking about year-end planning and what's going to come up. It's a disrupted time out there. That just means opportunity. So why do you think planning now is probably more important than any time in an advisor's career?
1: You know, that's a really great question. What I've been sharing with my clients is, look, you know, we entered 2020 with our game plans, March rolled around, everything got changed. And so this year in our industry, in fact, the entire world, basically, it's been adapt, overcome, survive, adapt, overcome. So that gives you a certain kind of mindset for several months now, as we get close to the end of this, and we look towards 2021, you know, I really believe that the plan for 2021 for pretty much all advisors is going to be the most critical one because choices are going to have to be made on either A, am I going to just stay in kind of survival mode and adapt adoption mode? Or am I going to really kind of put a vision out there and drive and lead my team and really run my business from a proactive state?
0: And we're certainly seeing people move beyond survival mode where we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And as the joke goes, it's not a train coming at us. It's actually a light. So we know things are going to get better eventually. And I think that's starting to create some excitement out there. But even for the advisors who are now starting to look forward, if you look at how most advisors function, you'd probably say that most don't have a written strategic plan. And if we asked advisors, why don't you have a written strategic plan, I'm sure we'd get a variety of reasons, but I'm guessing that Coach Joe really knows the reasons deep down and you can be more direct about it. So what's the deal? Why don't advisors like to or why can't they complete a written strategic plan?
1: I think a lot of times it's how they were brought up in this industry. You know, you can't, If you're at a large firm, your branch manager, sales manager, everybody say, hey, what are your, pl-? You know, they have these two or three page templates or even worse, maybe an Excel sheet and you know, plug some numbers in there and, and you know, set it and forget it. So I think number one, I think there's a lot of negative, uh, negative anchors and associations to planning. Number two, I think some advisors, and this is really fascinating, would actually take time to actually write something down, you know, several hours, maybe over several days, and then you know it's like it's almost like a tax return. Okay, I've, I've checked the box on that. Let me go file it away, and uh, then forget about it. And when I'm doing like consultation evaluation for uh, for new advisors, I'm like, hey, do you have a business plan? Oh yeah, I, I did one several months ago. Like, well, can I get a copy? Um, I got to find it. So that tells me immediately that hey, you did you did some level of work, but you never really made it a living document that you're going to use each and every day as a governing piece for your goal. So I think you run into two challenges, I think number one bad experiences, right? Number two, frustration because I've done this and I've not accomplished what I wrote down, right? So the plan sucks, well, maybe not, maybe just you. Uh, or the third piece is I did something, but I never figured out how to really bring it into my day-to-day, right? So there's three reasons why advisors fail at doing planning, quite frankly.
0: Do you think some advisors create a plan and on paper it really does look good and I would say share it with you, and you would look at it and say that's a great plan. But deep down, it just doesn't do it for me. Maybe I'm just not inspired. Is that sometimes the issue?
1: I think a lot of times, you know, I think there's two things. I think sometimes advisors play too safe with their planning, and we'll talk about how that happens. But I think the second scenario is that they they make it so grandiose that there's a part of their brain that goes, I don't know if we can do this, and so it becomes really a source of pain. And and so what happens? The the the, the patterns tends to be. I'm gonna put these great plans together. Then January comes, and I gotta go. I gotta go rock star down in January. Oh, December I really didn't do a lot, so I don't have a lot of momentum. So January comes and goes, and we look at where we are. And go, we're behind, we're behind, we're behind, we're behind. That's okay. February comes, and you know, but they're, they finish February they're a little bit better, but they're behind. Now they're frustrated. It's painful. And what do they? What do human beings do when they got something painful? If they can, let's put it away. Let's put it in a box and forget about it. Right. And their advisors have, for 10, 20, 30 years have repeated this pattern of getting excited, putting a plan together, overcommitting. Like in January, I tell all my clients, I don't want a lot of deliverables in January because you're just creating momentum. But that's how advisors will sabotage themselves. They'll expect to have this massive first quarter and then it doesn't happen. And then they just it's just a total abandonment by Q2. So
0: part of it, it sounds like, is the overachieving uh, mentality backfires on us, because mm-hmm. we realize this isn't going to happen. And to a certain extent, that flies in the face of the, the big, hairy, audacious goals, which always, always kind of moved me the wrong way. I mean, I love the idea of you've got to think big, but uh, I certainly understand that the next step is the most important step. And mm-hmm. I guess that's part of aging is as you realize as you mature, progress is what matters. It's not some end point. And mm-hmm. really thinking of that, I know you do five-year strategic plans. And in mm-hmm. 2020, a five-year plan, I think, is just short of forever. So the, the road's going to wind and we don't mm-hmm. know what's around the next turn, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you discount that five-year plan or you don't even bother to think about it. So help me understand how I can frame a five-year plan when there's so much disruption and uncertainty out there.
1: All right. So a five-year plan, when we do it, is really a lot of top line stuff, right? So it's so here's, like, here's the destination in, inside this time window, right? Here's where I wanna be twenty in our conversation of 2025, 2026. Every year that, that road's gonna be different, right? So it's about, okay, so inside of that five year window, every time we're doing the 12 year, it's good, we're just gonna do it every year, you know, 2025 becomes 2026 and 2027. So inside of the five year, you're doing a 12 month. So we take it and we extrapolate it down to, okay, next 12 months, what do we need to do? And that's where we can make the adjustments, the alterations as situations, conditions warrant it. And, and I'll say this: whatever your goals are for 2025, and we're going through, you know, you know, 2020 here, a little bit of probably 2021. I am totally on board on the belief that I don't care what happens happened here, your 2025 goals are not at risk. As long as you've adapted and you understand each year going forward that we don't have to throw away or abandon our long-term vision. We're gonna to have to be a little flexible in how we get there, right? The road is probably gonna not, the map is not being the map we ultimately want it, but it's gonna be still available to us and you have to adapt and overcome. So I don't get into this whole concept, well, now we just can't do that. You know, that's that's where you get in the psychology of goals. And my, and my experiences are, and, I, I, and I've got a laboratory every day in my work and I've, my clients are doing great this year. You know, everybody pretty much is up or, you know, up a lot. And why, because not that I forced it, but we had very, very direct conversations on look, this is our reality. How do we move forward, right? And when I say move forward, I didn't say, how do we survive? How do we move forward? So totally can be done. You just got to decide that's what you want to do and commit to it.
0: So let's take two groups of advisors. They both have reasonable goals. They're Mm -hmm. slightly out of reach, but they're achievable. Mm They're approaching the year saying, here's what we're going to do. You've got the one group that by the end of the year, they've pressed on, they've Mm -hmm. achieved, they've done extremely well. You've got another group on the other end that they really struggled with it. Can Mm -hmm. you point to one or two things that really separates either end of the spectrum?
1: I think there's really like two things. First off is how you set the game up first, right? So what most advisors do is they set up what I call pass fail goals. So let's just talk top line production. Let's keep it on top. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to do uh, $2 million in the next 12 months. So great. What does that mean? Is that the minimum acceptable? Is that the brass ring? Is that somewhere in between? Because every client that I work with, we do what we call, we we do a goal range. And I say, look, what is the minimum acceptable that you'll check a box with and declare victory for the year? And then what's the one we throw the big party for? And then anywhere in between there, we end up there, we declare victory. And so, and this is not a global rule, but for example, I may say, hey, look, bottom line rung, let's go five to 8% year over year. Our mid range may be 12 to 15%. Our top range may be 20% year over year, right? Just as an illustrative example. So all of a sudden I've taken I've taken this scenario where this client, this advisor had a very small target, it's tiny, right? We've now expanded it and psychologically that game is a lot more proactive and impactful than stressing over him. This was by the way, most of there's so many variables. There's market variables, economic variables, client variables, right? We know your client can come in with hundred thousand dollars or they can come in with $10 million, right? All those variables. So why would an advisor want to sit there and have what I call pass fail goals? It's, it's when you think about it from that perspective it almost sounds ludicrous to even contemplate putting a pass fail goal together. So I think that's number one. That's number one. Number two, when they put a goal together, they don't really vet it. And here's what I mean by vetting. There's really a there's really a a four process, four-step process. Number one, what the goal is, and is it measurable, specific, and my perfect world rangeable? Number one. Number two, why is it a must? And when I and the word must is the key word there, not I like to try this year or I hope to, no, no, no are you willing to go to war for this? And you've got to sell me on that. You sell yourself on that, you write it out. Third element, how we're we going to get it done. This is probably the easiest part. Now, okay, how many new clients do we need? Yeah, you know, the recipe as I like to call. That's probably, that's a five minute conversation most people can, most advisors can figure out real quick. But number four is really the key one. Who do you need to become to pull this off? Because if I'm talking to a $1.5 million advisor and they wanna to go to $2 million, my, my comment is always gonna be, hey, I know what the $1.5 million version of you looks like. I'm talking to that person right here, right now. What does the $2 million person need to look like? What do they need to think? How do they need to behave? What are their habits? What are their rituals? Because if that does not happen, this will not happen. Right? The man or woman first, then the money.
0: So I think if I heard you correctly, you started with metrics in the conversation because that's easy for me to identify. I'm a goals-based financial planner. I love a good goal, right? And Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. if I only hit 70% of that goal, which may be if you're an OKR fan and you know the metrics, 70% Mm -hmm. is success. So we understand the process, but you, you made a little switcheroo in there, Joe. We started with metrics, but then all of a sudden you shifted to mindset Yep, and knowing you, I know that you start with mindset when you do strategic planning. So mm-hmm. how about we talk about why mindset is so important? And then also, how do I get there? Because I've got to get off the metrics, the numbers, goals, and I have to change who I am and how I behave first before mm-hmm. any of that's going to happen. So help me understand how to approach that.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, the first thing you've got to do is what's your belief around this, right? So, if, if you're an advisor who believe that it's all about the metrics and the numbers and the OKRs, and and I'm good, and it's about everything else, then there's no conversation, right? So that's number one. Uh, but if we're going to have the conversation, um, my experience is very simple. You know, metrics without mindset is zero. No, nothing happens. So it's part of the recipe. It's part of the formula. Now, and if you and, and I can take an advisor back. So if I've got a naysayer, for lack of a better term. I can take them back in their career and say, "Well, how'd you end up here? Well, I, I just made a decision. Well, how'd you make that decision? Oh, then they start. Oh, that it's I, yeah. I had to, I made the shift in my mindset. So I just take them back, and they realize they've already done it. They just maybe never declared it in the way that I like it declared. Right? So, so for an advisor to grow, and we'll let we'll let them everybody determine what that means to them. It's going to be personal growth first, like you, the human being have got to make a declaration of why you want to grow, what what growth is, the metric, right? Why you want to grow. We just talked about that. How are we going to pull it off? But then the most important, like I said, is, you know, if you look at, if you go back in time to year one as, as an advisor, and then 20, 30 years later, you're not that same human being. You're just not, none of us are. But instead of it being happenstance, why don't we control that? So instead of just letting the world kind of shape us and our inputs and stuff like that, why don't we be intentional and say, you know what? I'm gonna figure out what my beliefs need to be to be a $3 million producer. I'm gonna figure out how it aligns to my values, what's most important to me. I'm also gonna figure out how I need to talk to myself and what my self-image needs to be. Like I need to walk through it because where most advisors sabotage their growth game is the man or woman in the mirror, they don't believe they deserve that or they don't believe they're capable of that. They can write it down, but there's self-doubt. So this is where the sabotage happens. Now, it doesn't manifest in that exactly way. How it manifests is, you know, I don't, I don't get up early. I, do, I don't do my morning game plan. I come in the office. I don't really, I just kind of play office, right? I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable. And that's the other part of the equation is, look, growth and excellence is an uncomfortable game. Just like if you're going to be a world-class athlete, you're going to be sore. There are going to be times you get injured. You've got to rehab. That just comes with the territory. If you're going to be a highly successful financial advisor, mentally and emotionally, there are going to be times you're going to be uncomfortable. You've got to push yourself to that growth game. A lot of advisors, their concept is, if I can just get to half a million dollars, I'll be good. If I can get to, you know, they have this like goal, they don't say it out loud, but my world will be nice and comfortable once I hit X. And, and you know this game. You get there, and you're like, man, this is not enough. I got oh, my lifestyle. I like, said so we go up. So it's really just about declaring what tr- is already going on, putting it front and center, and owning it, quite frankly.
0: I vividly remember going through a process more than once where I had a good year of flow of assets or new relationships, however you want to count the metric, and you know the needle moved revenue-wise, and you still feel the same way you mm-hmm. still feel that you know 10 or 20% more revenue, why that would give me a little extra margin, Joe, and then I could hire the next person and I'd increase my capacity. And then you get the 20% extra revenue and you think, you know, another 20% revenue, Joe, and I could have that extra capacity to hire someone. And, and going through that, it, to me, it's fascinating. And you have to have, I guess, the self-awareness to know that that is normal. You're always gonna think that you need a little more And it's, it's okay. I don't need to beat myself up and say, I'm always thinking a little more is better. I just got to recognize that that's a tendency, but now let's figure out what I really need. Just, just kind of put it off to the side where 20% more revenue. I may feel the exact same way. Maybe Mm -hmm. I won't, but you know what? I don't, need to care about that right now, I think. I just need to take a look at where I am and then try to figure it out. Is is that the way to approach it or do I have to attack it more aggressively?
1: No, I mean I think, you know, the the um it's interesting because when I talk to people sometimes, advisors, I'll say I'll give you I'm gonna give you two choices. And first I'll ask them when do you plan to retire? Well I never plan to retire. So great. Good. So we are never retiring. Love the business. All right, cool. All right. So I'm gonna give two choices. You can grow at you can grow at 20% a year. And literally, your hair is going to be on fire. It's going to be, you know, it's just going to be like, a, you can pull it off. Not going to be a pleasant experience. Or you can grow at 12% and it fits like a glove. You get your downtime. You get this. Everything fits. I'm not saying there's not moments where it's going to be what it is. but and, and so when I give advisors the two situations, 95% will always choose the 12% versus the 20%. Because emotionally, it feels better, right? So I said, then, then why don't you create your game this way? Well, this is where the type A, the drivers come in. Like, well, uh, you know, like some of the things are going I said, no, no, isn't, isn't the ultimate version of success, economic abundance, fulfillment, time freedom? I mean, we have to, def- we have to really define it for a second, right? And because when most in our game, in our industry, it's all about the money. rev production, 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 I say. And I've worked with many multi-million dollar producers. Their bank accounts are flying. They're miserable human beings. Why? They built a job. Well paying job, but job nevertheless, right? So it's really about saying, well, let's have our cake in. and I really believe this is the only industry that, that I'm aware of that you can have your cake and need it too. Let's have economic abundance, let's have time time freedom, and let's have, you know, emotional fulfillment, which is you're doing what you want to be doing the way you want to be doing it, right? I mean, that to me is the triad of success in our business, right? But if you don't plan for it that way, you'll end up hitting some of the targets. But why not just plan to hit them all and then go for it? That's all that's always been my core philosophy.
0: I love that. The last time we spoke, it was the summer of 2020. The pandemic was in the first couple of months. And Mm -hmm. I joked about the B icon on my iPad for Bloomberg that called Mm -hmm. to me every morning. And I just wanted to know what happened overnight and what was going on in the markets. And you said, is there anything in the news that can't wait an hour for you to find out? And, Mm -hmm. And I thought, it's always the right question that makes you think. Because mm-hmm. I, I have no answer. There's nothing that mm-hmm. I need to know at that moment at, say, 5 a.m., that I couldn't wait till 6 or 7 mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to say thank you. You have set me free, Joe. Uh, I do not check Bloomberg anymore in early in the morning. And I will tell you, the few times I have – it's as if there was no emotion behind it because I didn't actually care because I knew there was nothing I had to see there and it mm-hmm. was anticlimactic. And then I just stopped doing it because I have a morning routine that I know is so much more important. You're big on the morning routine. And I know that. I know that's part of uh, your mindset. I think you call it morning magic. Can you talk a little bit about that magic that happens?
1: Yeah, so we call it Magellan Morning 8. And it's actually part of our business planning process. One of the final things that you'll do, we, we want to go from five years all the way extrapolate down to what I have to do today. Like that's to me is a complete planning process. And so how an advisor starts, and we have an eight step protocol and we'll go into a couple of real steps. So the first thing, which is not a step maybe it should be, do not touch your, do not go into your inbox, do not go into Bloomberg or CNBC or Fox, none of that stuff, just leave it alone. First 30, 60 minutes. And what I really want you to do, this is the most important meeting of the day, the meeting with yourself. So we're gonna have you review your goals, right? Your quarterly game plan, your daily game plan. We're gonna have you meditate. We're gonna have you visualize. We're gonna have you have a conversation with yourself. Uh, My Perfect World, we're gonna have you do one thing of gratitude. Maybe you'll, you'll when, you, when the time comes, you'll type out a little note to somebody or maybe mention or just be gracious in your, in your own mind. That's fine too. What it's really about, it's about two things. It's about number one, uh, remembering why you're doing what you're doing in a proactive manner. Number two, it's put you in a certain frame, certain mindset, certain uh, state, if you will, so that you can go ahead and be excellent. Just like world-class athletes, just don't show up and go do their thing five minutes before game time. You know, there's a protocol they run prior to being excellent. Every advisor needs to create a protocol prior to having daily excellence. And that's the, the, you know, talk about immutable pieces, right? So that to me is a key predictor. Like if I talk to a client, I say, first thing, tell me about your morning, and, and if, it's, if, it's, if it's getting a little sideways, it's an absolute predictor what's gonna happen. Conversely, I can be talking to somebody and they're not doing well. I said, well, tell me, walk me through the first hour of your day. What time do you get up? I get that. Then, then it's typical pattern. I get up first thing, news, second email. I said, where's you, Where's the you time? What do you mean? Well, to get mentally prepared. What do you mean? Like, like, it's like there were, such a, there we're such in a rush to get going and yet we get there and we do nothing. It's it's a weird dynamic, you know. Now the offices are closed, but I talked to I was talking to advisors all the time. I said, "Well, I got to be in, I got to be in by seven thirty. What are you doing? Going through email? Like, okay, like you're in early, but what do you produce all day?" And not, I'm not talking economically. Like, what do you get done in that day? And and my, most advisors, if they focus two to four hours a day on their business, that's a lot. I mean, when I talk about like high level genius type, let's get stuff done, right? So if I can have them do a morning piece, and then, cause inside of the morning, you're creating your day, that's part of the deliverable inside of that, they're gonna be way more on task on what has to get done. And they're gonna be, and the part of the, the secret of success in this business is consistency. Like if you have a couple of good days, that's great. But then you, you bet you bag the other two days, when you average it out, it's mediocre. So it cancels each other out. So why not just, let's go this, let's just be very good every day, consistent. But This is a boring business. It's supposed to feel a little bit like groundhog day. We know when it gets exciting, when the market goes down 1,500 points, that's not the kind of excitement we want, right? So I want it to kind of be, you know, you want to get juice the juice in life, you get it outside the business. That's where your bucket list comes in. That's where your other pursuits and passions come in. This you this is the economic engine that enables the rest of your life, and that's why you need to look at it.
0: I knew we were going to talk about the morning routine this morning, and I was going through what I've gone over over the last few months. And just to keep it as short as possible, I've expanded my morning time. It has doubled in the amount of time I spend in the morning. It's it's a couple hours of a routine that I do, and it's being grateful and things along that line. And I've noticed that I'm actually working fewer hours in the office. So I traded an hour in the afternoon for an hour in the morning, but it took me a few months to figure it out because I still feel uber productive and Mm -hmm. I'm at peace at the end of the day and I'm getting things done and I can walk Mm -hmm. away knowing I'm actually finished. So Mm -hmm. like many people will say, you're working less, but getting more done Mm -hmm. for my case, I'm going to credit it to the morning routine and and constantly working on that and expanding it. It's also why when we spoke last and we were talking about year-end planning, you mentioned your year-end strategic planning. That's why we're doing this podcast. Because as we were having that conversation, I thought, I I know you have this program. I've never gone to your year-end program, but I know what you do. I know you personally. And I thought, "I've I've got to do that this year. And then as soon as we spoke, I thought, okay, we got to do a podcast. So we've got to talk about that. So let's kind of wrap this up, talk about what's coming up. And then also you've offered to listeners of our podcast and friends of Advisor 2X, a significant discount. Uh, as far as I can tell, it looks like one of the biggest ones I've seen out there. So talk about what your program is and when it's coming up.
1: Great. So, I mean, first of all, this will be my 19th year doing strategic planning for advisors. Um, what we're going to do, uh, because of just the way the landscape is this year, we're going to pivot it to a virtual event. It's going to start December 15th, which is a Tuesday. It does run for four days, and people say, oh, my God, four days. It's a couple hours each day, so it's not like it's a full day because we know attention spans. Uh, there's uh, you know, several modules we're going to go through pre-work. It's the most complete process. Um, I've never had anybody go through it and wish they had not. In fact, I've got clients who will be, this will be their 19th one they've done. They've been to every one of them. It's uh, just something that you know that we just do. So, uh, because of your tribe, Ross, what we're going to do is, if you're an advisor, just happen to go there, it's going to be eight hundred and ninety-five dollars for the entire uh, program. Uh, but because you're part of the Advisor Two X tribe, it's we're going to give you some a special rate of four ninety-five. Uh, but you need to act because we do have capacity control. Um, we don't, you know, this is not going to be thousands and thousands of advisors. You know, we're going to probably have a couple hundred, which is what we're looking for because of Zoom, and we want to have it somewhat intimate for people. Um, It's the most important year, and I'm not saying that just because we're here right now, but just look at what's happened this year. I mean, it's truly, you do not want to go into 2021 just trying to survive, rudderless. It's time to get it all together, and all things are possible, but they're only possible if you write them down and make them real.
0: Yeah, I believe 2021 is the, the start of a separation year for many advisory practices, not just because we're moving from survival to say, how do we thrive, but how we integrate technology, how we approach things. We talked about that during our last podcast. So I really think this is an inflection point in the business where there's going to be a group of advisors and advisory firms who choose to adapt behave differently and nurture relationships and offer new services to clients. And they're going to separate from the pack in a way that I'm not sure how the other firms or advisors are actually going to catch up. So I don't think I've ever been this excited for year-end strategic planning. No, I've never been this excited for year-end strategic planning. I'll just go ahead and say it because I see it. This is a great opportunity. If you love what you do and you love this business, now's the time to really buckle down, figure out what your next steps are going to be and go take care of more people. So Joe, thanks for being on the show. Any final words for everybody?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the bottom line, whether you do, whether you want to come through my program, here's the one thing I will say Do not go into 2021 without written goals, a written game plan. I don't care how you want to pull it off. It's up to you, but do not do that. You have a moral obligation to your clients, to your teams, to your family to go ahead and create a proactive game plan for 2021.
0: Joe, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers
1: with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.